Welcome to the ADP Podcast with your hosts, J-Rob and LP. We'll talk sports, we'll talk life, and everything in between. So grab a cold one, pull up a chair, and step inside. I'm not going to tell you that Aaron Rodgers is the best uh, NFL quarterback in the game today because he isn't. Only the one Super Bowl win and Super Bowl appearance with Aaron Rodgers. To me, even Brett Favre went to two Super Bowls. So to me right now, it looks like they're the same guy. Tom Brady. Um, agree, disagree, like, dislike Tom Brady. Tom Brady, the greatest of all time. I'm gonna say that we need to stop pretending like this whole college sports thing is not a business because that's what it is. It's not until the revenue sharing would have to be amongst black people that is a problem. If it was 100% white people playing football and basketball, I don't think it would be a problem. And in this particular instance, we have rules in place that prevent these kids from getting paid for the service that they are providing, something that we all enjoy very much. Hey, and welcome back to another episode of ADP, A Different Perspective. You got your host, Larry Powell, known as LP, and your fellow host, J-Rob. We're back in the house, and we're ready to talk to you about sports. And we're really excited because we, we just got into a conversation about top quarterbacks, specifically top five quarterbacks in the NFL. Um, we're talking about quarterbacks that are currently playing and what type of historical significance they're going to have. And I have a perspective that some might consider kind of controversial. And when we get into it, I'll tell you all about that. And then there's some big news happening in the NCAA with what's going on and the whole amateurism status. And J-Rob has got some serious thoughts about that. So if you hang with us for a while, you'll get all the interesting information. Plus, we'll get into what we saw happen this week in the NFL. So just to kick it off first, J-Rob, you know, I, I have a lot of thoughts about who is currently the best quarterback in the NFL. And one of the things that comes to mind is a lot of people immediately throw out the name Aaron Rodgers. It's the trendy name to toss out there. And, you know, I'm going to get into it a little bit more, but I say, hey, maybe not so fast. And your thoughts? Uh, I mean, I would have to tell you like this. I'm not going to tell you that Aaron Rodgers is the best uh, NFL quarterback in the game today because he isn't uh, due to his body of work. Is he a great quarterback? Absolutely. But when I think about uh, with the game on the line, who am I going to go with if I had three choices right now? Uh, Tom Brady. Um, agree, disagree, like, dislike Tom Brady. Tom Brady, the greatest of all time. Uh, he has stood the test of time at 42 years old. I mean, sitting there watching the Patriots go against uh, the Steelers on Sunday night football, it looked like the Steelers was out there playing the, uh, the Glenwood Cougars out there. I mean, it was pathetic. But at the end of the day, you get what you pay for. You say Antonio Brown is a, uh, Antonio Brown is a problem. He's a cancer in the locker room. You get rid of him, okay. You say Le'Veon Bell is a diva. You get rid of him, okay. So now what is your excuse? Because one thing that I do respect and love about Bill Belichick, whatever your strong suit is, whatever is your power source, he has the ability and the, and the mind, the genius of a mind as an NFL coach 
to make you disappear, to make whatever you're great at and make you weaken it at one time. Juju Smith-Suster was in the witness protection program on Sunday night. Uh, ben Roethlisberger looked confused and dazed. I mean, J uh, James Conner had nowhere to go. That's what Belichick does. He learns, he watches, and Tom Brady's winning percentage against the Steelers is like 87% winning percentage against the Steelers. He has their number, it's on speed dial, and there's nothing coming for the Steelers going into this season. I hear you. And to piggyback off of what, you say, what you're saying, um, is Bill Belichick's greatness, I think, is a lot of the reason that people discount Tom Brady as being the greatest quarterback ever. A lot of people believe that he's a product of the system. They don't deny his greatness, but when it comes to pure athletic ability, a lot of people trendily like to throw out the name Aaron Rodgers. And I, I, I think you can't argue with results. Like we can talk about what happened this Sunday night and are we going to see just another Patriots appearance in the Super Bowl? Are we watching the inevitable? Kind of like we watched Golden State and the Cleveland Cavaliers year after year after year to the point where we always knew that the NBA, we always know where the NBA season is going, or at least we believe we do. And so we see something similar here in the NFL because it's kind of like when you look at the AFC, it's like who's going to land in the Super Bowl? 75% Patriots, 25% the field. And a lot of that could be attributed to Tom Brady's greatness. However, the one year that Tom Brady wasn't available to him, they missed the playoffs, but they won 11 games that season. Um, mm -hmm. So when we get to talking I, about – go ahead. I want to hear what you have to say. No, I, I think the, the great part about it is, yeah, does it contribute to Tom uh, Brady's greatness? Absolutely. But it also contributes to Bill Belichick's attention to detail. Uh, he is one that is from the old school. He came up on the Bill Parcells, who was a great coach in his own right. Uh, and the Patriot way is the way of next man up. Oh, Larry Powell's our, our best guy. He got hurt. Not a problem. <laughs> here comes this guy here. But you know. do you think that Bill Belichick's greatness in some sort of way disqualifies Tom Brady as being the best quarterback ever? And then, too, like – because we haven't seen it. We, we have seen Bill, Bill Belichick in Cleveland without Tom Brady. We know how that worked out. However, mm -hmm. in this era, we haven't seen Bill Belichick. Well, <laughs> correction, I mentioned Matt Castle. However, in the 20 years that Bill Belichick has been there, the last 19 years, Tom Brady's been his quarterback. So the question is, if he were to have a different guy in the driver's seat, would he still get the same results? I think most probably like you believe that the answer is yes, because we just believe that the Patriots organization is going to pick the right guy. They're going to focus on what he does best and they're going to give him the best opportunity to succeed. Well, I'll, I'll give you this example. Um, the offensive line, the offensive line for the last four to five years have lost their starting left tackle. Those guys have gone on to have great, Pro Bowl years. They leave because the Patriots are not known for paying big salaries for linemen. You had Nate Soldier who ended up going to the um, Giants. You had, uh, it was, I can't remember his name, but he ended up going to the Jaguars. Then last year you had Brown. That I mean, this offseason that Brown that went to the Raiders. 
the key behind that is uh, Dante Skarnicki, who is the offensive line coach. He's from the old school. He drills them. He drills them. He drills them. He's not calling them. He's not babysitting them. And they're all on the same page. If you look at great quarterbacks, great quarterbacks come from great systems, systems that are repetitive, repetition over and over, the same thing, repetition over and over, and there is no favoritism. Tom Brady has gotten on numerous uh, interviews and have let people know, hey, you think that I'm on a pedestal, but when I'm in that locker room and we're watching game film, I'm also under scrutiny. There is no diva in that locker room. It's all men on the same page. So when I think about the Steelers, I think about Ben Roethlisberger, which is not the case. They put Big Ben on the pedestal. Other players thought that they could have been entitled to the same thing, and they found out that it is not true, which allows dissension to come between the team. And that's what the, what the uh, Patriots don't do. They don't give you favoritism. If you don't want to get on board, that's fine. We'll just go ahead and get rid of you. And we'll talk about the segment about Antonio Brown later on, but I'm going to tell you how great that narrative will actually make or break Antonio Brown's future and his possibility on being a future Hall of Famer. I mean, I think there's some that would argue that Antonio Brown is already a Hall of Famer. However, hold that thought. Listeners, hang with us because we got a lot of good conversation coming up about uh, Antonio Brown. But going back to the whole quarterback scenario, I think it's safe to say that both of us, I feel that Tom Brady is the greatest quarterback ever. I don't think you can argue with six Super Bowls. It pains me to say because I'm not the biggest Patriots fan. But, I mean, you can't argue with results. However, as I mentioned earlier, uh, one of the points that I wanted to bring up in today's conversation was that for the last several years, I don't know, maybe even four or five years, it's been that long, but it's always been a trendy name to say that the best quarterback in the NFL is Aaron Rodgers. And considering how much success Green Bay had, has had so far, which is recently a couple of years not making the playoffs, and then also only the one Super Bowl win and Super Bowl appearance with Aaron Rodgers. To me, even Brett Favre went to two Super Bowls. So to me right now, it looks like they're the same guys. So I decided to dig and do some research because I really, when we talked about the podcast today, I was really excited about throwing out this controversial take that Aaron Rodgers is overrated. Like, hey, everybody throws out this name. Like, is he necessarily even in the top three quarterbacks? And then it made me some digging and one of the main things because when we think about greatness of quarterbacks quickly we think about interception to touchdown ratios or maybe I should have said it in reverse because like don't mm -hmm. start with negative touchdown to interception ratios and I was like who's got the best along with win percentage and those are the criteria that I would use to decide who I thought was the best quarterback and when I went to go look to see who has the best under current quarterbacks that are in the league right now, who's got the best touchdown to interception ratio. And I pulled up the football database. Football database is awesome. They always have great information. And mm -hmm. who was on the top of the list? It is Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers throws an interception for every 4.24 touchdowns that he throws. Mm -hmm. And so I was just like, wow, because the argument that I was going to contend today was that 
maybe it shouldn't be Aaron Rodgers that's on that list, but it should be Russell Wilson. And maybe he's overlooked for a variety of reasons that we could discuss at a later point in time. But immediately, the first stat that I decided to use as a criteria refutes my argument. However, guess who's the second on the list? Tom Brady? No. Russell Wilson is the second on the list when it comes to lifetime. He throws an interception for every 3.14 touchdowns he throws. So mm. that's almost that's more than a full touchdown more per interception. So lifetime, just to throw the numbers out there, Aaron Rodgers has thrown 339 touchdowns to 80 interceptions. Meanwhile, mm. Russell Wilson has thrown 198 touchdowns to 63 interceptions. So he's only thrown 17 less interceptions where he's thrown over 140 less touchdowns. So to, to say, like, Aaron Rodgers is more than a full touchdown above, and the third person on the list is Tom Brady, who is – he throws an interception for every 3.04 touchdowns. So I, I just thought – I never expected to see what I saw, but I was really surprised by who rounded out the top 10. Um, so now I'll give you the top three. Do you really want to guess? Because I'll, I'll promise you, you would absolutely shock me, brother, if you guess all time who is number four on the list. And it's somebody from our era. Mm. Don't, don't think about it too hard. Here, I'll give you another hint. Okay. Well, not quite. This, I was going to say he's the same complexion as us, but not quite. Hmm. That's a huge hint. Warren Moon? We're black men, by the way, for those listeners out there who haven't seen our picture. <laughs> um, Warren Moon? No. <laughs> no, it's almost comical. And, but I'll, I'll give you this person's stats because this person threw – 72 touchdowns to 30 interceptions. He's fourth on the list. I don't know what the like the minimum requirement is to be on this list. Michael Vick? No. Wow. Not Randall Cunningham. No. You're way off. Way off. Wow. Well, just to put you out of your misery because you're not gonna guess yeah. it, because this right. is really gonna foster like other conversations, a conversation that we're not having right now. But mm. this is something that we need to put in our notes for a future podcast. I mean, I know I'm, I'm really hyping this up, but I haven't thrown out the name, right? But this name is worthy of the hype. It is Colin Kaepernick. Mm. That makes sense. That makes sense. Because he was a dual threat. He had, he, <laughs> he had teams so shook because they didn't know if he was going to run it or pass it. I remember when he dismantled when he dismantled that Packers team in the playoffs. It was strictly like, "I'm gonna throw it, ha ha." No, I'm not. I'm gonna run it. Oh, I'm gonna. You think I'm gonna run it? Ha ha. Vernon Davis. <laughs> I remember that. Yeah, yeah. Right. I remember I mean, that. He rode that train all the way to the Super Bowl. His coming out party was against the Bears, and then just like I, I heard remember, that the, somebody was looking at Bears him. Game, and Colin Kaepernick got there and just sliced and diced him up. Pretty quickly, Jim Harbaugh came out and said, we're going to stick with this guy. So we've seen that yeah. before. However, rounding out the top 10, 
it's mostly current quarterbacks. So, like, this list really bugged me out, J-Rob. Like, so, number five is Derek Carr. Number six is Drew Brees. And Drew Brees throws an interception for every 2.23 touchdowns that he throws. So, like, as you can see, Aaron Rodgers is a full touchdown per interception ahead of the next closest guy, which is Russell Wilson. And then you have Russell Wilson and Tom Brady stacked right there. And then there's another major drop off where Colin Kaepernick is at 2.4. He, so he throws an interception for every 2.4 touchdowns. And then it's down to Derek Carr, which I would have never imagined on the list at 2.28. And Drew Brees, who's definitely a Hall of Famer at 2.23. So maybe this isn't the best criteria, but I think it's very reasonable to look at. And then you round off the top 10 with Matt Ryan at number seven, Steve Young at number eight, and Peyton Manning at number nine, and Tony Romo at number 10. Is there mm. anything else about this list that surprises you? Tony Romo. Yeah, Tony Romo. Yeah. Uh, that's, I mean, Tony Romo would definitely be one because he was he was a roller coaster ride his whole career. Um, if I had to say, hey, I need a quarterback with the game on the line and to march a team down, and it doesn't have anything to do with this player has the best receivers, this player has the best receivers. Who's going to get me down there? I'm going to tell you. Call me biased, but I like Russell. I've seen him do it too many times where you were like, this guy's team is not that good. Somehow he gets them to buy in. He marches them down that field. I remember watching that Super Bowl against the Patriots and it was just like, don't worry about it, guys. We got this. We're going to march right on Tom. Tom. Like, Oh no, 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 not over Tom. I'll put him over Aaron Rodgers. that I will do. Because don't forget, he did beat Aaron Rodgers in the playoffs. He went head-to-head against Aaron Rodgers and beat him. Agreed. Agreed. You know, and he should have beat Tom Brady. But the offensive coordinator said, hey, look, we're on the one-yard line. Instead of giving it to Sean Lynch, I'm going to try something new and pass it. No. Well, the Patriots are the beneficiaries of two of the greatest, uh, I don't know what you want to call them, on faux pas. I mean, I got another word for it, actually two words for it. And one of them starts with F and the second one begins with a U. And it, <laughs> it, it is not toward you, but it's just in the direction. Is it, is it, is it but, FUBU? <laughs> <laughs> the biggest, two of the biggest mistakes I've ever seen in coaching. Like it's as much as I like Pete Carroll for his personality, just insane. And then I really question whether or not Dan Quinn, however, conversation for a different day should have even kept his job. But the thing is the Patriots stay the course. They never make the tremendous error. Like we've seen teams make against them, but in both cases where the Patriots grabbed Super Bowls from the, from the jaws of defeat, it was like, they were so defeated. They were so beaten. And it just took a little common sense to go ahead and close the door. And instead, they stubbed their toe. And it, it's just painful to watch. However, you can't take that away from Belichick and Brady. They got six. P. 
period. They're they're yeah. in football. They did what Michael but Jordan. Did. I'm, I'm gonna tell you what really made me appreciate uh, the Patriots was when they beat the Falcons. Yeah. Uh, hey. When they beat the Falcons. Oh, painful. Uh, no, it wasn't painful. You know yeah, what I respected so much about Belichick when they kept showing the camera on him. He wasn't displaying displaying emotions. He had a little notepad and he was writing down. And where I was at, people kept saying, oh, the Patriots are done. I said, you see what that guy's doing? He's writing down their weakness. And in the halftime, he's getting ready to exploit it. Sure enough, what was working for the Falcons went to sleep. <laughs> and Tom Brady just went to work, just, uh but that's here. Hey, but before shutting this topic down, there's just a couple other things that I recognize on this list that kind of bug me out that I want to mention okay. before we move on. Um, one of them is that Kurt Warner is number 31 on this list, and he's a Hall of Famer. He is currently behind Ryan Tannehill at 30, David Girard at 28, and Dan Marino is as far down as number 27. David that surprised Girard. me. Oh, my um, God. Another thing that surprised me is that number – 29 on this list is Marcus Mariota and the fact that he's that high Marcus Mariota I think is largely regarded as a disappointment or hasn't proved himself yes. or hasn't really met the hype and yet um you know his numbers overall aren't that bad and uh, a couple more surprises that I'll throw out to you Andy Dalton is number 21 on the list which is just something that I never would have expected can I get a second please can I can I get a second you're talking about a waste of talent. Like, that dude is horrible. But I will just throw this out there for everybody that's listening and will be listening. The Cleveland Browns, um, I will tell you this, they, they're, they're stepping in the right direction. Uh, I, I like the Browns, but it was good for them to get their bell wrong against the Titans Sunday because they were a little bit arrogant, a little bit cocky. And my question is, Odell, why are you out there playing football in a $350,000 watch? I'm just saying. Odell is a character. Odell is a character. That's for sure. But hey, we spent a lot of time on that topic. So uh, something that we said that we we're gonna discuss. And as two black men sitting here, I think that um, our perspective on this is pretty relevant because I feel like, especially for people of our ethnicity and not everything's about race, but I think that for some reason um, in the black community, the way that we view sports as an opportunity might differ from other American ethnicities. And for that reason, this very topic really resonates with us. And that's a matter of the concept of amateurism in the NCAA. Um, mm -hmm. There's currently a court case that's going on in California. I don't really know enough about the details to speak intelligently enough about the court case. However, it does spark in me um, yeah, somewhat fervent emotions about the whole existence of the NCAA, about the fact that Nick Saban can make $8 million a year, uh, CBS, you have advertisers, you have networks, you have boosters, athletic directors making tons and tons of money off of the backs of these kids. 
Um, I think it's something that needs to be discussed. I think it's something that needs to be changed, especially considering the circumstances of so many players. But before I even really like did the illustration part of this, already the emotions are, are flowing out of me just because um, I got some pretty harsh feelings about this one. But I'm gonna I'm gonna turn it over because I want to hear what you have to say, J. Roth. Um, well, I'm a firm believer of equal opportunity. And when I say equal opportunity, I don't have a problem with Nick Saban getting his eight million. I don't. I don't. I don't, ha I don't have a problem with the university when uh, we go to the Sugar Bowl for the national title and they give the school 17, 18 million. I don't have a problem with none of that. I do have a problem when you don't want me to get my money because you're getting your money based on what we do collectively as a team. I might shine a little bit brighter than my teammate, but we're still a team. Now, you're willing to pay the coach gets the credit when things go good. But what about I go out there and I throw for 450 yards and five touchdowns and I'm the MVP, and you're telling me, um, well, he gets a free education. That's great. I appreciate that. But when I walked around campus, I saw about 2,000 people wearing my jersey number. And I didn't happen to get a dime of that money. And it seems like the problem comes in where they're saying, well, oh, well, because I read the article you sent me. They, they have a problem with the players getting money, not through boosters, but through a legitimate form of themselves promoting themselves getting money so if i wear number 12 and it's the best-selling jersey i should get a cut of that if uh nike decides that they want to give me a signature signature shoe i should get a cut of that because you as a university are getting the cut you as a coaching staff are getting the cut but the players are not getting the cut and that's where the disparity comes in so you open the door for boosters, agents to come in and say, hey, look, man, um, you know, we can give you 250000 if you come sign with us over here. Well, I'm a college student, and you don't know the background of people that are going to college. A lot of the inner city youth that are going to these major programs have some form of financial need. Mom's needing this. Uh, uh, the father may not be in the household. Auntie's raising them. Yeah, they need some, some, uh, some finances. Why not spread the wealth? They don't want to spread the wealth. They want to keep it to themselves and dictate to you that you shouldn't get a piece of the pie when they themselves are baking the pie, making the pie, and selling the pie all at once. I mean, I think that this, where this conversation is really a problem is that first of all, like, I, I mean, I, I want to put a caveat on what I'm saying. First, I want to say that I believe in education. I, I really do. I don't necessarily believe um, in everything that they teach us. I think that we need to be, we need to learn a little bit better to think for ourselves. And we really need to like question the way that information is presented to us within, this includes within education and the education system. However, having said that, I want to say that we need to stop pretending like this whole college sports thing is not a business because that's what it is. 
That's what drives the way they change the motivation behind the championships. They're still selling tickets to these games. Like people are taking every opportunity to, to buy paraphernalia and marketing. And the fact that it happens to be affiliated with schools, it, it, it only makes people more passionate about it. That's the only significance of its affiliation to any university out there. And so, like, once we can get that out of our heads, then consider this, like, what other profession is there that says, like, hey, you can come out here and you can shine, with the exception of the Olympics, but then again, the concept of amateurism, but you can come mm -hmm. out here and shine, but no, you can't get paid yet. Like, the, the concept no. of apprenticeships exists in interns, I understand that, however, if your skill is being an actor or a musician, or you're just a, a hardworking kid that goes out to the construction lot and, and shines and works. You're a carpenter. Like, short of an apprenticeship, you're going to get paid. And in this particular instance, we have rules in place that prevent these kids from getting paid for the service that they are providing, something that we all enjoy very much. Not only that, but then they cannot make money off of their own likeness or image. They cannot get their hustle on. And if I'm not mistaken, getting your hustle on is part of the American dream. That's part of the reason that immigrants from all across the world come pouring out here. And so sometimes within the Black community, we look at that and we, we think about it, especially when it comes to the two NCAA sports that actually generate money there is a high percentage of African-Americans in both Division I football and basketball, right? And these happen mm -hmm. to be the two areas that are most restricted. They earn the most money, but they're most restricted. Now, we've also heard the argument that, hey, but with the money that these kids generate, like, it pays for all of the other sports in, in, at the university. Hey, I'm okay with that. No, let, me, like, let me say this. Look. If you're going to give me a scholarship, I didn't come here to, if you gave me a scholarship to play football, I didn't come here to bring money to the tennis program. I came to bring money to the football program. So that in itself is a farce. The, the problem of it is, and oh boy, I, I just got to be me. Um, <laughs> it's, not until, it's, it's, it's not until the revenue sharing would have to be amongst black people that is a problem. If it was 100% white people playing football and basketball, I don't think it would be a problem. They have a problem with sharing with young black brothers. You can call it what you want, it is what it is. Because at the end of the day, you're not gonna tell me that all right, let me use you for a second. How much does it cost to go to University of Illinois for a season, for, for a whole year? Just give me a rough estimate. I, I mean, I don't know, probably about 12000 I guess, in state. U of I, the whole year. The I, last time I checked, it's, 12 it's, close to, it's, it's close to 30. Oh. The last time I checked, yeah. The last time I checked, it's close to 30. So you say, hey, I gave you a $30,000 voucher. Let's just use that. Okay, great. Um, I play on the basketball team. I average 30 points and 
15 rebounds, and I led University of Illinois to the NCAA tournament. I led us to the Final Four and the championship game. We won. I averaged 38 and 15 and 10 assists. I just went crazy. That revenue of us going to the championship game on my back and my co-teammates now, not just by myself, but I had a lot to play in it. This is what happens. You only want me to stay for the 30 and be happy with that. But guess what happens with the coach? The coach to help coach us gets a raise. He goes from 3.5 million to 8, 9 million because he coached us to the championship game. I don't receive any benefits. I don't receive a raise, but I should be content with the 30. The school receives millions of dollars from us getting to the final four. Same as if we're playing in the national championship game for the football. 17 to 18 million to those universities that win. Okay, Larry Powell is the quarterback. He throws for 500 yards, seven touchdowns. We win the title. He only gets the, uh, I'll just say $50,000 that year to lead Alabama to the title. Well, Alabama invested 50 in you, but received 18. That's a big discrepancy. I can't make money off my own memorabilia. I can't make money off signing uh, autographs. I can't make money doing anything. But you make millions of dollars off us going to the championship game. You made millions of dollars off of merchandises, licensing, TV licenses, everything. But we can't receive anything in it. It's 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 something wrong. But then if a booster gives a player ten thousand dollars, for example. Oh my gosh, it's the end of the world. But it's not the end of the world when you take all this money. I mean, it's not like the players are saying, okay, for me to come to your university, I want $3 million. No, I know, and I cannot confirm or deny any of their alleged allegations, several universities that pay players to come to their university. That happens to be in the Final Four every year or the National College Football Championship game. It has been documented that they send money to these low-income players' homes to help their families because they know they are in need. But that's no here or there. The problem is they don't want to share with the pie. I promise you, you will have less infractions if you shared the wealth. I personally think it's a it's a travesty. And as to your point earlier about supporting other sports, I don't have a problem with that because I, I think that for a kid to get a chance to go to college and swim or do gymnastics or run track and field, I think that like it can only build his character. I think it's a privilege to compete. And I think that that's awesome. But it's very similar to the way that sports are in high school. Like, I don't know how well high school sports support themselves, but I know that sometimes they're out there on the street corner passing around a, a can saying, support this school, you know, mm -hmm. buy a T-shirt or whatever. And so I'm not saying that they can't siphon some of the funds off to send to these other sports, but there's a whole lot of money. We all know this. 
you know this, I know this. There's a whole mm-hmm. lot of money that's just lining pockets, lining people that work for the NCAA, lining the people that work for these universities, lining the pockets of the people that work for these, these networks. And the people that are putting their bodies, their very lives at risk on the, on the court, well, <laughs> more on the football field when it comes to like putting your body in, but it still happens in basketball. There's still risk involved like they're they're completely cut out and it's like hold up you'll get yours when you make it to the league and mm-hmm. i'll tell you a reason that this is jacked up j rob is because right now there's a so, so can, can, can we deal with that right quick look, look how powerful of a statement that you just made you get yours when you get to the league okay right. but there's 130 130 30 division one schools playing competing in football right now in addition to that each of those teams can dress 70 i mean i'm I'm no mathematician but what is 130 times 70 out of those how many kids are going to make it to the league how many kids are drafted into the nfl every year maybe 200 we're talking about thousands and thousands of athletes that are never going to see a dime their most shining moment is right now while they're at their university and and after that they'll never to be in the public light again and so this is their best opportunity and then a lot of people want to argue education 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 these guys spend more time like in the practice room on the field traveling than they actually do in the physically spend in the classroom so i'm come on now well i i will say this and i'll challenge anybody that would love to have this uh, conversation and the graduation graduation rate in the NFL, I mean, in the NCAA football and NCAA basketball is very low because in the NCAA basketball is one and done. So that graduation rate doesn't happen until maybe seven, eight years down the road for that player. Once they get established and then, you know, I did make mom a, a promise that I would go back and get my degree, things of that nature. In the NFL, uh, well, in football for NCAA, it's it's not happening at, at, a, at a high rate because they're focused on getting that money going to the NFL. They're not focused on, oh, yeah, well, I'm trying to graduate. Yeah, let me get to the NFL first, then I'll graduate because I got bills to pay. Mom needs this. Dad needs this. Is it's a need, so that's why it's unfortunate where they tell the player, "Yeah, get that money when you get to the NFL." But the coach said, "Hey, let me get my money now." They're not telling Nick Saban, "Hey, yeah, we can pay you all that money once you get to the NFL." No, he's like, "Let me get my money because these players I'm putting on the field, they're producing." So you're paying him for putting the players on the field that's producing, but you're not giving the players money for producing. So you're you're I mean, <laughs> it's just it's not going to work that way. It's not right. going to work. I believe that a university, it's not like once you sign up for them, it's not like that scholarship is guaranteed like a contract signing in the NFL. The university can still take away your scholarship. I don't think it's they, on a year to year basis. Yeah. I don't think they generally make a habit of that. But like if you're not doing what you're what you need to do or if you're still not part of the team, that scholarship can be taken away. And it's no. Watch. I, 
hypocritical this is. Now watch how hypocritical this is. You tell the player, well, if you're not doing what you're supposed to do, we'll take that scholarship from you. Okay. I mean, the I coach, the coach has a losing high. season. Hold on. The coach has a losing season. His money's still guaranteed, and you got to pay him. Right. But, hey, hey, but guess what? Hey, NCAA, you just did great work because now a kid can actually transfer when his coach could always leave at any point in time. And so, like, at, at least they've corrected that. Um, but there's still a lot of work to be done. And I, I'm just going to say this because Barack Obama was elected president once upon a time does not mean that we are there yet. And no. I do believe that there are some racial implications when it comes to how people view uh, whether or not NCAA athletes should get paid. And I'm just going to leave it at that. And uh, wow, that, that was a great topic that we could probably go on, like do an entire podcast about, but we need to move on and kind of jump on to a little bit of current news, which I, I know you're excited to get into this because uh, right now we just had week one of the NFL season behind us. We're right behind the Monday night football game. And there is a couple thoughts. This has been mentioned already before in the podcast, but I think I'll just mention it again. Is is the Patriots making to, making it to the Super Bowl yet again? Just a foregone conclusion. Uh, another thing that I, I want to talk about is Kyler Murray looked good. Right. So is this whole height thing about being able to be effective in the NFL? Is that really mythology? So just a couple questions to start off with. First, uh, I mean, is another Patriots. Go Super ahead. What we'll, we'll talk about first? Well, uh, yes. We talk about your guys. The Patriots will go there forever. So let's start off with Kyler Murray. He looked good in, in his NFL debut. Well, he the first three quarters he looked like uh, a JV quarterback. That's what he looked like. He got it together in the fourth quarter. Uh, I think the key of it will be learning from the mistakes he had in the first three quarters and starting off how he was effective in the fourth quarter in the first quarter of the next week's game. If he can do that, he'll have something to build on. Uh, I hope nothing but the best for him. I'm not sold on that air raid system, but we'll see. I've seen stranger things happen, and uh, we'll see. I'll give him the benefit of the doubt until he proves me wrong. But I do believe that the Patriots are the team to beat. Um, if they, if if a team made a statement in Week One, it was the Patriots. They not only beat the Steelers, they beat them into submission. They made them boys tap out for real. Yeah, I was just looking up Kyler Murray stats because it was one of those situations where you're watching NFL football. And uh, mm -hmm. they had a different game on. I think it was the Atlanta Falcons getting their brains kicked in by – I can't even remember who beat up on them. But uh, mm -hmm. at the end of the game, they, they cut oh, to the – Minnesota. It was relatively close. Yes, it was Minnesota. But the game was relatively close. So basically what I saw was Kyler Murray lighting it up. But I guess his stats, the first three quarters were relatively brutal. So he I know was like that, nine of twenty-five, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, that's pretty awful. But he ended with 308 yards, two yeah. touchdowns, one interception. 
but a 32.6 QBR. Because if you just look at the stat line, that would lead you to believe that he he played a pretty good game. I mean, before a rookie, they got him out there and they let him throw the ball 54 times. So I will say, hey, I mean, welcome to the NFL. Yeah, he's the number one pick. Use him. You you shouldn't take anybody number one, number one overall if you're not gonna use him. I, but you know, I, I I still think the whole height thing is. I mean, you couldn't go out there and be five four and be an NFL quarterback. However, with Drew Brees' success, Russell Wilson's success, I mean, the verdict is still out on Baker Mayfield. But it just always makes me wonder if you know all the kids that we've watched over the years if they could have actually played quarter back what little bit I saw of Kyler Murray like I said it started off brutal but he is a rookie but it looked good so when we were growing up you know we had the the Charlie Wards the Antoine Randall L's and it was just immediately dismissed that these brothers couldn't go out there and play quarterback in the league but they did it fantastically on the level below so that just I was always skeptical of that and Charlie Ward was like, you know what? If you're not going to take me in the first two rounds, I'll just play basketball. <laughs> I mean, but he was a fantastic was like, player. I'm be, you know, I want to say all four years, I believe that Charlie. And so it, I, I just think it, it, it's neat to see that we're opening our minds and we're giving cats, you know, regardless of their race, an opportunity to go out there and, and show what they got. And I think that's a great thing. I think that the NFL needs to be – um, just as colorblind as they are height blind. We're not quite there yet, but hey, we got some work to do. So a yes. couple other things uh, that I wanted to get into about this this NFL week one, your Cleveland Browns. So much height there, and they got ran. Not only did they get ran, but they got ran by the Tennessee Titans and Marcus mm-hmm. Mariota, not exactly known for being an offensive juggernaut. Yeah. Uh, if you're going to get humbled, you should get humbled in the beginning of the season uh, where you can really uh, take that humility pill, accept it. Hey, this is what we need to work on. And matter of fact, less talking and more working. That's what they need to focus on. I mean, I like Odell, but he's becoming a sideshow. I mean, what, what, what was the purpose of you putting that watch on? Now, I know he's got good money. I got you. But he's not the only person. The Brown Odell Beckham show. Yeah. I mean, I know he's got good money, but he's not the only player in the NFL with money. You go out there, you break that watch, $350,000. I mean, for what purpose was that? I mean, just to show people that you got money? I mean, that's a bad culture. That is, you know who who would love to play against him? Akib Tlaib. You know how he took uh, – he, he snatched Michael Crabtree's chains off all the year. He just snatched that watch right off his wrist. Hey, you know what I'm going to say right right now? I'm about to say something that is borderline inappropriate. But Odell Beckham wearing a $350,000 watch on the field lends weight to arguments people would give us about the previous topic. We would say, you can't get these no money because <laughs> – out there and they do stupid shit so the last thing he can do is go out there and pay college students and so Mm -hmm. like come on man like 
we're going to start a segment on this podcast. Like, man, come on, man. Like, oh, we can't use come on, man. But it's got to be a better look than that. That's a bad look. Yeah. Maybe that's yeah. the segment right there. Yeah. Come on. Like, our bad look for this week. Like, yeah. It's you know, a look bad at look. Look me. I got my $350,000 watch on here. Look at me. Did you catch a touchdown? No, nah, but I did look good, though. <laughs> I, you know, I'll give me a three hundred and fifty dollar watch, and I'm, right, you know, I'm, I'm doing it, and I'm good. Hey, are you gonna play in that? No, nah, man, I'm gonna put this up, man. I trade three hundred fifty dollars for this watch. What are you talking about? What you thought <laughs> living it up was a pair of Jordans and a gold <laughs> chain? Yeah, uh, uh-uh, no way, no how. And the last topic that I want to bring up about this NFL before we like just jump onto some real life stuff and close down the podcast is. Um, Kansas City. I was about to say the Kansas City Royals. The Kansas City Chiefs. This offensive juggernaut and Patrick Mahomes. Is this for real? And will that offensive juggernaut sustain? And is Patrick Mahomes, or I mean, I'm sorry, Jehovah Mahomes, like, is he the real deal? Uh, As Shannon Sharp would call him, Patrick Mahomes boy. Uh, I like Patrick Mahomes, and I'm not going to lie to you. The no-look guy? Come on, dude. You're not Steve Nash. No. That's unacceptable. I will tell you. That's unacceptable. <laughs> like, I, 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 I'd have to snatch you out uh, for a series or two. Like, bro, what you really doing, man? You're not Magic Johnson with the no-look pass. No. This is, this is, this is football, not basketball. And, and that could cost you. Like, you, you out here playing cute boy stuff. No. Mm-mm. Andy Reid, and he put his foot down with that. Hey, throw with your right arm and throw it to the to the tight end or throw it to the receiver or running back. All that no look like, no, come on, man. Stop it. Stop it. Stop it. And that's that's you won't get your bell rung doing something like that. Oh, this dude think he's a magician out here? Okay, let me let him have it right quick. Yeah, you better be careful with that, Patrick Mahomes. You really do. Like, you can't be doing that. You think it's a game, son? <laughs> no, <laughs> you get dealt with. Hey, my brother, like, you know, the ADP, a different perspective podcast was gone for a while. I got to say, I think this might have been one of our best shows ever. Uh, I I think we talked about some topics that matter to people. I think that we um, gave them some perspectives that maybe they haven't heard before from people that from just real people, from average guys that are really out in the world taking care of their kids. Wait, that sounded so bad. (laughs) But, you know, good dads, working men um good husbands because we want to be all of those things and we also want to be able to talk to you so guys definitely look us up let us hear your comments we're at adp the number one a different perspective at gmail.com i know it's one hell of an email address but a a different perspective the name is popular what are we going to say but we're definitely the guys that we, we got the views from the cheap seats we've occasionally been at We've been at the baller clubhouse seats. And so, like, we definitely have the different perspective that you need to be listening to. So, again, ADP, number one, a different perspective at gmail.com. Please email us your comments. We want to hear from you. And real quick, before we wrap up this podcast, I just want to say, uh, J-Rob, you'll know where I'm coming from with this because uh, you know, I, I work in a business where we go from job to job. I, I work in television film. Uh, and so people that are in this line of work basically work on a show for a season, whether or not it was Desperate Housewives or 
uh, a law and order show, it's all done the same way or a mm -hmm. movie that movie's over, we're looking for our next job. And so right. we've encountered what it's like to be unemployed. And I know it's brothers out there that are good brothers that are looking for their opportunity to, to get out there and grind. And I'm just going to say, we're out here. Come listen to us. Keep, keep your head up. We know what it's like. We might feel that pain. We feel that pain with you. And um, just, you know, every opportunity just just remember that there's people out there that love you. There's people out there that are on your side and want to see you succeed. And a lot of times for people of our complexion, things are stacked against us. And I just wanted to toss that out there and just to say, you know, we're with you, we're listening. And uh, we want to hear from you because if you, you send us an email, we will definitely, we'll read it on the air. We'll have the conversations that you want to hear because we're just like you. Absolutely. Uh, everybody goes through trials and tribulations, good times, bad times, times that I wish I could do over times that, you know, I hate times that I love. But at the end of the day, uh, you're able to see another day. You got to uh, keep grinding, keep shining, keep uh, staying focused, keep uh, staying positive in your mindset. I know it's easy sometimes to kind of focus on the negative but you have to focus on the positive. Uh, look around yourself and just know that there are people in the world that would love to be in your situation. There are people in the world that that are not able to even feed themselves, clothe themselves, and uh, just stay positive. Stay positive in your mindsets. Uh, stay positive in your thinking. Stay positive in, in just your everyday walk. And uh, just expect greatness. That's what you have to do. You have to, we tell our kids every day when they go to school, expect the greatness. And uh, you open yourself up to uh, have a positive mindset. And it starts in the mind. Everything starts in the mind. If you have a defeated mind, you have a defeated body and you have a defeated spirit. So you have to have a positive mind, have a positive outlook on things where you're able to pour into others. And then you never know who you may run into that day and who just actually said, man, I just needed to hear that. And even though you're going through things, just you'll be able to just to speak people, speak to people and just to encourage them. That's what it's all about. We're, we're doing something right now that we've talked about for years and just uh, having an opportunity to just to speak to you guys is just truly a blessing. Uh, but just remember, you know, uh, a different perspective and we're unapologetic in what we're saying. So just understand that we love you guys and we appreciate you for tuning in and uh, hopefully you'll tune in next time we're on. Hey. And so for LP, Larry Powell, Jay Rob signing off, shooting you the double deuces. And man, I, it makes me sad that this show is ending. It was such a good time. But <laughs> until we meet again.